Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Turn, if you will, to the book of Proverbs. I was going to start a series on the basic doctrines of Christ, but that's, a, that's an easy thing for me to do. The Lord began to deal with me last week after it was my night to preach during fall harvest. And I preached a message out of Joshua chapter 5. We looked at Colossians chapter, chapter 1 and then went to Joshua chapter 5. It, when they crossed over the Jordan, began to go in and possess the promised land, came up against the walled city of Jericho. The Bible talks about how they came across the Jordan with a great miracle. The, the uh, Jordan River divided itself and stacked up upon itself during flood tide, during harvest time. And uh, some things begin to happen. Uh, of course, they, they, they had a, a, a covenant act uh, amongst the men called circumcision that took place. That also, take, uh, uh, that also entails the teaching of the covenant because they have to re uh, rehearse the uh, terms of the covenant. Uh, uh, they begin to celebrate the Passover again, something they hadn't done for a while. Uh, they begin to move the forward progression. The Bible says when all those kings uh, heard that they were moving, that there was no spirit in them to fight anymore. So their movement gave their enemy a revelation of their defeat. But now, I've taught that message for years. I, I got that message years ago by the Holy Ghost. And, and the one point that I always made in that message, I didn't make it in that message when I preached it on Tuesday. And that was this point. It says they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. Now let me say that again. That's what the word says. It says they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. That's in Joshua chapter 5 if you want to go study that. Now what's interesting about that is once they did that, then God began to work with them. The Bible says the manna ceased. Manna's no good because you can't plant it. They didn't have any place to plant it anyway. They were out in the desert. But God was fixing to give them a land that flowed with milk and honey. And that land that flowed with milk and honey was going to provide them with good soil to sow seed into. And they were, they, were going to be, they, were going to, they were going to be able to begin to live their life, grow their families, begin their, 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 their generational heritage in that nation because they were moving into the place that God said they were supposed to move into. Now, through redemption, we understand. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, which is one of the greatest, what we would call thumbnail sketches of redemption, Speaking of Jesus, who, are, who was our substitute, it says this. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of his peace was upon him. A chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we're healed. Now, the first one, he was wounded for our transgression. Wounds are outward. That's all the outward acts of sin that we commit that break the laws of God. Jesus took that by the wounds he bore upon his body. Secondly, he was bruised. Bruises what? Bruises an inward wound. That is the inward motivation to sin that's inherent in the human family. It's called iniquity. It's the want to to sin. That's why you never have to train a little child how to lie, how to cheat, how to do anything like that. It's inherent in them. That's why you must get born again, get out of the human family and get into God's family. Amen. Then it says this, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Then it says, by his stripes we were healed. 
Now that's Isaiah. It hadn't even happened yet, and he's already saying more. He's already saying it in the past tense because he's already counting it as done. That's what faith does. But now, there's been a lot of majoring over the years on the, on the wounding uh, for transgression, bruising for iniquity, and by his stripes were healed. But the chastisement of our peace that was upon him, this is the Lord began to speak to me. He began to say, there are things coming upon the earth right now that if people are not careful, it's going to get into their soul, it's going to infect their soul, and there's also things that lie inherent in us through life experience that affects our soul, our mind, the way we think, our emotions, the way we feel, and our choices we make are our willpower. Amen. Uh, most of them negative. Most of them need to be dealt with. Most of them need to be gotten out of our lives so that we can live whole, not just healed, but whole. So there's not been very much emphasis at all in Christianity on mental health because they do not want to deal with mental health outside of psychiatry or what they teach most pastors today, psychology. They do not want anybody dealing with mental health spiritually. You say, why not? Because it's the only thing that works. It's the only thing that works. Now, I know myself. I wasn't physically sick when I came back to the Lord 30-something years ago. I'm going to tell you one thing. I was mentally sick. My mind was twisted three ways from Sunday. I had emotions in me. I had pain in me. I had hurt in me. I had things in me that no psychiatrist, no psychologist, there was nobody that could get that out of me but Jesus. But I had to be willing to let him work on me. He had to be able to, I had to give him permission. I had to let him into my mind, my emotions, and the choices that I made. And literally the choices that I made is what brought me in to having the chastisement of my peace being healed by him. And when I begin to do that, make those right choices, it's amazing how my mind got healed and my emotions got healed. Now, the Lord began to speak to me about, about what's going on today and what's going on in society. And he spoke three words to me. And he said, these three things are predominant mental issues in the world today. In America, for sure. I know other nations of the world are dealing with it. We've got COVID going on. We've got uh, political unrest, civil unrest. We've got ep economic disaster looming. So there's all kinds of things swirling out there in the unseen. There is an, a, 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 an avalanche, a, a, a waterfall of information. You can leave tonight and hook up to your internet or go turn on your television if you want to listen to the financial, if you want to listen to the things about COVID or the flu, or if you want to listen to, a, if you want to listen to political. Or, it's out there. You can listen to it. You can listen to it 24-7 if you want to. And let me tell you something. If you do that, it's going to affect and infect you. Amen. So there are three things and they're all three connected. Very much connected. And if you understand how they're connected and how they build themselves into your soul, then you can understand how to believe God to break that in you so you don't have to live under the bondage of it. Can I get a better amen? You say, what do you mean by that? I'll tell you, the worst, the worst kind of anguish in the world is mental anguish. That's the worst kind. 
I mean, you can deal with pain. I mean, you can deal with other things. But I tell you, if, you're, if your mind is messed up, if your emotions are messed up, if, if, if you're messed up in your choices and you're making bad choices all the time. And I've watched people over the years. It's amazing to me how people will do something just, just ridiculous and then, and then spend two, three, four, five years and recover and finally get out of that and go back and repeat that same behavior. Do it again. Boom. And then three or four years go by, and boom, go back and do it again. And just spend their entire life in recovery. Well, you don't have to live like that. You can get free. Everybody say, get free. Get free. And you can stay free. Everybody stay free. Now, these three areas. Number one, panic. Everybody say panic. Now, a lot of, a lot of people, they kind of discount panic. But I, I was thinking about panic and kind of meditating on it and trying to pull up, you know, some type of, uh, of illustration or understanding of it. And, uh, you know, it just, it, it, I, I really failed to, to come up with an illustration. I must have left my definitions. There they are right there. They fell out. Good. I must have left my, I mean, I, I, uh, I really couldn't come up with one. And then the Lord reminded me of something and I came up, came up with it. Now, here's what panic is defined as. Defined as. Panic is a sudden overpowering of fright and unreasoning terror. It does not come gradually, it comes immediately. Now, what's really weird about panic is the root word of the word panic is the word pan, P-A-N. Now, it's not a pan like you fry your eggs in in the morning. It's pan from the Greek god pan. How many know who the Greek god pan is? He's that weirdo that's half a man and half a goat. Amen? Now, if you, and I didn't study him much because I don't like to know about these guys, but, but I wanted to find out, what, okay, then if that's the root word for the word panic, then how in the world does panic come from pan? Well, if you study who he is, he was somebody that the Greek mythologist said would, would appear like suddenly, real quick, startle you. You know, there he'd be, this half man, half goat looking thing. And he had this real, you know, he played this little flute. And this little flute had a very sexual working to it that made people lose all their inhibitions. So people were afraid of him because everywhere he go, people, people would end up in all this sexual immorality and it would break up marriages, break up families. So it would appear suddenly, freak everybody out, and then bring them into all this immorality. Well, that's the root word for the word panic. And panic is something, you know, you're, you're, you're sitting there at the house or something, and all of a sudden that, that, that red, you know, news flash comes on. And, you know, we've seen enough crazy things going on where we think, oh, man, what are we fixing to hear, you know? Amen? I can, rem I can remember on 9-11, I was, I was at home sleeping. It was about 8.45 in the morning, and, and someone here at the church had called Leah. And said, are y'all watching the news right now? And uh, we, I wasn't. Leah came and woke me up and said, you got to come see something weird's going on on TV. So I, I was kind of half asleep and I walked downstairs. And it's, it was right before that second tower got hit. And I looked at that, that, that scene of that first tower and the smoke that was billowing out and everything. And, and, uh, and uh, all of a sudden, it was, like, it was so surreal. You see that other plane coming and bam, just went right through that building. And it wasn't 10 seconds after that that on the top of the screen uh, another one flashed of two different planes that they could not find. I mean, I felt a sense of panic. 
I don't know if you did, but I did. I thought, what's going on? What is happening here? It was an obvious coordinated attack. So you don't know if that's fixing to hit every city. You don't know. Now, I remember years ago when I was a little boy, and I really picked this up because this kind of helped you, parents, because this kind of helped you to, to, uh, to uh, learn how to behave in these types of situations. But I remember the Cuban Missile Crisis, not so much because of the information, because I was just like a little five- or six-year-old boy when that was going on. I remember the response of my parents. They were glued to the TV. Every word that was being said. And you could look, you could see the look on their faces because we came right to the brink of nuclear war. And thank God His mercy spared us from that. Amen? So you've got to understand, panic is something the enemy used to swing the door open to your emotions and to your mind. He'll use it. It can happen. You can get a, you can get a doctor's report. You can get a financial report. Something can happen to you. I mean, and it can cause that panic to hit you. And if you do not know how to deal with panic, then I guarantee you it will swing those doors open for everything negative that the enemy wants to bring into your life that has to do with your mental health. Let me read scripture. Did you find uh, Proverbs chapter, Proverbs chapter 3. Let's begin there in verse 20. Let me read it. I'm going to read it. My, I like it in my uh, Passion Bible too. Proverbs chapter 3. It says this. I'm going to start in verse 19. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding he hath established the heavens. Everybody say wisdom, understanding. It says by his knowledge the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. Now you've got Three things in these two scriptures. You've got wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Everybody say it with me. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Now notice this. It says, uh, my son, let not them. Them there is the three. The wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding. Let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. The dis discretion is the ability to look at something that demands a decision or demands a choice and to make the right choice. Amen. I mean, that, that's where all of us end up as failures by not having any discretion. We look at something and we're supposed to make a choice and we make the wrong choice. Then we suffer the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the results of that. Amen. Now notice what it says. It says, my son, let them not depart from thine eyes. That means you're going to have to read the word because in the word is the wisdom of God, the understanding of God, and the knowledge of God. Keep it then. What you get, keep sound wisdom and discretion so they shall be life. Everybody say life. Now that's physical life right there. That's talking about physical life. Life unto thy soul, your mind, your emotions, your will, and grace to thy neck. Now, they were big neck people back then. Like they were big feet people, they were big neck people. They garland things around their neck to kind of to show who they were. Kind of like people wear jewelry today. You could identify people by what they were wearing around their neck. A priest would wear a certain thing, a businessman, a, a, a military officer. It, it would literally give identification. Did you know you're identified by the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding you walk in? People watch your life. And you are identified, a, a, a lesser term or a worse term to say, but it's true. It's just true. It's the facts of life. You're judged. You're judged by what people see in your life. That's how you're judged. 
So it's good to have wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Amen. It says, uh, then, I like this, then thou shalt walk in the way safely, thy foot shall not stumble. When thy liest down, now listen to this, when thy liest down, when thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, they shall lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Now, disturbed sleep is a sign you've got a problem. Whether it's disturbed physically or mentally, it doesn't matter. Disturbed sleep, sleep is given to us by God to rest our bodies, to rest our minds, and to refresh our souls. Now let me say that again. Sleep is given to us by God to rest our bodies, to rest our minds, and to refresh our souls. If you're having trouble sleeping, you need to go to work on it. Don't give any amens on that. I'm trying to help you. I want you to sleep sound. I want you to walk in the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, the understanding of God. You say, why? Because it's life to you. And it's safety to you. Everybody say life and safety. It also says you won't stumble. It says this. Uh, where is that? Verse 20, 25. Be not afraid of sudden fear. Now there's your panic right there. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Now that, there's your panic right there. That's, that sudden thing that happens. I remember we were in South Texas hunting when this, this, this uh, tsunami hit down there in uh, uh, Indonesia. And actually I think it even went up into, toward uh, India and up in those places up there. We don't realize how many thousands Hundreds of thousands of people were killed. I did not realize how traumatic that was till I watched a movie on it about a year ago. There was a movie written about a family that was there, and literally God did a miracle to put that family back together, keep them off from being killed and getting them out of there. <coughs> Excuse me, they were a family from Europe. It was amazing what God did for them. But that was, if you would have been there and seen how that tsunami, most of us saw it on the news, how that thing began to build and begin to rise up. I guarantee you when people begin to see, you can see the locals. They knew what was happening. Boy, they took off for the hills. They were gone. Those tourists were kind of standing around like, what's going on? Then they figured it out, and you could just see the panic in everybody. Now, let me just say this. <clears throat> because of that, let's just take that one incident right there. How many people do you think in that incident that survived that and went through that have suffered with anxiety since that. It's rampant all through that area. Drug addiction, alcohol, people trying to treat their anxiety because many of them lost loved ones, saw people die, saw great destruction. That panic swung the door open and now they have lived in the residual effect of that, and it has affected their soul. It has affected their mind. It has affected their, their emotions, and it has affected the way, uh, their will, the choices they make. Thank you, darling. Now, I look for an illustration in my own life, and I really couldn't. I, I, there are several that I could use, and I really don't like to use surfing illustrations because most people can't relate to it. 
But this one's a little different. And I believe if I tell it to you, because I've told it before, but if I tell it to you in this light, you'll see how this works. We had been in a, every other year, we'd go to Hawaii. Actually, we went every year, but every other year, we changed our format. We'd go one year and do a crusade, an outreach, and, uh, uh, and then we'd go, just like Lee and I, and do revivals in the churches. And we did that for about, actually about a 12-year period. Uh, crusades, outreaches, uh, and conferences, and conferences. We'd always bring a group. Sometimes 30, 40 people would bring. Then we'd just go by ourselves. This is one of the times we just went by ourselves. We preached in all the churches. We had a wonderful time. And we were staying over a few days uh, just for some rest and recreation. And Lee and I, one afternoon, went to the beach. I took my surfboard. She took a book. She was sitting down on the rocks reading. Nice beach. We'd been to many times at Miley Point on the west side of Hawaii. Waves were kind of about that big. And we were just out there having a good time. And, and all of a sudden, I saw all these local boys, and they're not paddling in. They're paddling out. And I mean, not just, not just kind of paddling. Like I mean digging. And I thought, what are they doing? They got about from here oh, to the back door, and I saw why they were paddling. Out on the horizon, you could see this set of waves. Now, I never do, when I, when I used to go to Hawaii a lot, I never surfed a rising swell. And the reason I never, a rising swell means the waves start out at 2 foot, end up at 20 foot. That's why I never surf a rising swell, because you go out when it's 10 foot, you catch three waves, next thing you know, it's 15 feet. 15 feet Hawaii will give you a lot of anxiety, I guarantee you. Anyway, I could see these waves out there. They're doing this, and I could tell they were very, very big, very large probably 20 to 25 foot range. So I, I looked toward the beach and I was, I was closer to them than I was to the beach. So I made a decision to get in behind them. So I started stroking for them and I could tell I wasn't going to make it. I wasn't going to make it. And sure enough, that first wave, it welled up about 20 something feet in front of me and it came down. And there's no way to describe the sensation of a Hawaiian wave in the Pacific where the water is 6,000 feet where the swells roll out and they roll up on a coral reef that's about three to four foot deep. I mean, it immediately shoves you to the bottom. It immediately, I mean, you just get, you just get ragdolled and it runs you down the reef. It's just, it's, it's, it's frightening. And, and, and right about the time you've lost all your breath, you hit the top and you take a breath, you take a breath and a nut next one hits you. Same thing happens. Now the third wave, when it hit me, I'm praying. I can't make a fourth wave, Lord. I can't make a fourth wave. If a fourth wave hits me, I'm done. I'm going to drown because I didn't have enough lung capacity. And I, when I came up after that third wave, my board was sitting right, ne right next to me. I jumped on it and just as hard as I could paddle up that wave. It was about a 25-foot wave. And right as I got to the top, it broke and didn't, didn't get me. So I was spared. Leah saw it all happening. It was, the waves were so big they were shaking the ground. You say, well, how does it go from that bit? They have a, 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 a deal that goes on off of the big island of Hawaii. Hawaii is a, a chain of islands, a big islands down here called Hawaii. Oahu's up here. They have these seismic events that go on. Seismic has to do with earthquakes that go on on the bottom of the ocean because of volcanic activity. So you can be at the beach on a benign day when the water is flat as a board and a little earthquake will take place 200 miles off the big island and four hours later, 20-foot waves are breaking right on top of you. That's what that was that day. Now, I've known people that have had things like that happen to them that never went back to the ocean. Never went back. 
I mean, you know, they weren't even surfers. They were just people that got caught in a big wave or something. Panicked in that wave and a lifeguard or something pulled them out, saved their life. And because of that panic, they had such anxiety. They don't even, I, I know of one individual that if even the ocean comes on TV, they're like, no, I don't want to look at that. They have anxiety because of that. But listen, I was experienced. I was, I'm a waterman. I know what I was doing. So I, I, I was in a panic when those waves were pounding me. But after it's all over, I was just relieved. And I never had, you know, I've gone back. I've been in Hawaii. I've been in, in Nicaragua, different places, even here on the island. And it, it, didn't, it never affected me, but it could have. It could have. It could have opened the door to anxiety or trauma. I know, I know a kid, he's a grown man now. When he was a little boy, I went with his mom and his dad and him. He was, he was a little boy to see the movie Jaws. And he panicked in that movie. They had to take him out. He never went to the beach again. And did you know that's one of the phenomenons of that movie? That it so panicked people in that movie that it put an anxiety on the inside of them and they've never gone back. Listen, that's exactly what the enemy is trying to do to masses of people right now in their souls, in their mental health. He's trying to place them in a situation in which information comes that causes you to panic and next thing you know, you've got this anxiety. You can't sleep. You can't function. You're not making the right choices. You don't feel good. Amen? You don't feel good, and your mind is just being tormented with all kinds of thoughts. Well, you better do something against it. Especially in this day and hour, when it can be exacerbated at any moment. When we turn on the news, when we, when we uh, pick up a newspaper, when you get on the internet, all this negative information flowing, it's hard enough to deal with our past. without dealing with the present and looking forward to the future. But listen, he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity, but the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Let me say that again. The chastisement of our peace, and he wants us in the camp till we're whole so that the peace of God that passes all understanding is the standard for what we think, how we feel, and the choices we make. A couple of scriptures since we're in Proverbs. Go to Proverbs. Uh, let me find it here. Proverbs chapter 12. I think I've got it marked in my Passion Bible. How's my time? Oh, almost out of time. Proverbs chapter 12. Verse 21, I like this. There shall no evil happen to the just, but the wicked shall be filled with mischief. Let me read it in the Amplified Bible. It says, no actual evil, misfortune, or calamity shall come upon the righteous, but the wicked shall be filled with evil, misfortune, and calamity. Well, there's a good, there's a good way, place to start right there. Get the evil out of your life. It ain't hard to figure out. Set the Bible, open it up, then whatever it is that's in your life, lay it next to it and say, now is this evil or is, it, or is it righteous? It ain't hard to figure out, church. 
If you're, if you're born again, I guarantee you got a spirit on the inside of you that's righteous. And it'll show you what's in your life that's evil. And what is evil will open the door. It will torment your mind. It'll affect the choices you make, the way you feel. And I guarantee you, if you get the evil out of your life, you're taking all the soil that the enemy uses to plant in. Amen? Now, go, go real quick. Oh, let me, read it in the, let me read it in the Passion. What verse was that? 21? Find it in the Passion Bible here. Calamity is not allowed to overwhelm the righteous. Calamity is not allowed to overwhelm the righteous. But there's nothing but trouble waiting for the wicked. That make it a little plainer? Now go to Proverbs 26. We'll close with that one. Proverbs chapter 26. I like it in the this one too. Okay, let me read you quickly. We talked about panic and its root word from the God Pan, that wicked thing. Anxiety. Apprehensive uneasiness or nervousness over impending or anticipated doom. Now, there's a medical def. That's just the definition out of the... Uh, the dictionary. There is actually a medical definition and diagnosis of anxiety. You ever heard of anxiety meds? Now this is what it says. An abnormal, overwhelming sense of fear with physical symptoms, including rapid pulse rate, sweating, pain. It's also a sense of doubt concerning the reality of a threat and one's self-doubt when it comes to dealing with it. It's like, I don't know what's happening, and I don't know what to do. That's a horrible state to live in. Now, the scripture I want to use real quick, Proverbs 26, verse 1. I'm going to read it in three translations real quick. As the snow, verse 1 and verse 2. As the snow in summer and the rain in harvest, so honor is not seemly for a fool. Now, that's what we call a comparison scripture. Amen. Snow and sun. I mean, if you, come, if you came to God, if you're here in Galveston Island, and you get up on a July morning, you go outside and it's snowing, what would you think? Something weird going on here. You go outside and it's 33 degrees and snowing, you're going to go, what is going on? Amen. So it says, just with that type of comparison, as the bird wandering and the swallow by flying. Now listen to this. So the curse causeless shall not come. Now listen to it in the, in the Amplified. It says, like snow in summer, rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a self-confident fool. Like a sparrow in her wandering, like the swallow in her flying, so the causeless curse does not alight. Everybody say alight. Now, uh, Passion Bible. It is totally out of place to promote and honor a fool. Just like it's out of place to have snow in the summer and rain at harvest time. An undeserved cursed, curse will be powerless to harm you. Now listen to this. It may flutter over you like a bird, but it will find no place to land. Now if this is what you have to see spiritually, church. In your soul, 
in your mind the way you think, in your emotions the way you feel, and in the choices you make. There's a constant moving, like, you ever saw sparrows? They're not like birds that just sit around. They're always moving. They'll boom, and then they'll pop over here, and then they're going to hop over here. They're always moving. They're looking for a place of safety, a place of comfort, a place they can alight. Curses do this all the time in life. They just, they, just they, they, come, they come into your life. Now listen, just because they try to come and flutter around doesn't mean you have to give them a place to live. Let me say that again. Just because they come and try to flutter around doesn't mean you have to open up your life and panic and enter into a life of anxiety. But listen, so many Christians have just given up. I heard a statistic Monday, as a matter of fact, Monday. It's, it's, it's amazing. They were talking about in, in 2000, uh, the, the, uh, the consensus of Christianity is, was what this was called. A study that was done by one of, the, one of the theological seminaries here in the nation talked about of all the Christians in the nation, all the Christians that they, that they could, that they could you know, uh, do this uh, poll on, uh, uh, 60% of Christianity, they said this about, went to church regularly. Went to church regularly. 60% of Christianity. This was in the year 2000. In the year 2018, that number had gone down to 18%. 18, only 18 out of every 100 people that claim to be Christians go to church on a regular basis. And when they, they, I think on a regular basis, they determined uh, three Sundays and two midweek services was what they called a regular basis. Went to church on a regular basis. Now, in the year 2000, they've run this poll again since COVID. 9%. That means 91 Christians don't go to church out of every 100. So what's happening to Christianity? I'm going to tell you. My time's up. I'll close with this. This is my help you. We'll pick this up again next week. Let me tell you what's happening to Christianity. The major denominations, this has already happened. It's not going to happen. It's not some pie in the sky. It's not some, you know, well, I, I don't think that's going to happen. No, it's not. It's already happened. This has already happened. The major denominations consisting of the Lutheran denomination, the Presbyterian denomination, the Methodist denomination, not the Baptist, not the Southern Baptist, not the Assemblies of God, none of the Pentecostals, none of the extreme Pentecostal, which would be like UPC, but most of what they call the mainline, the, uh, the Church of Christ, uh, the Christian Church, uh, there's several others that you can name, are right now negotiating. Catholic Church is involved, Catholic Church is sitting at the top of this. They're negotiating to blend, is what they're calling it. It's called a, it's called, uh, slips my mind. Not a spiritual blend. There's another name. An ecumenical blend is what they're calling this. An ecumenical blend where they all take their different doctrines and they begin to, to basically what they're going to do is whittle them down to where they're acceptable to all these denominations because they say this, the world cannot continue with all these different beliefs about God. We must have a one world religion. Before it's over, they'll bring the, the Muslims, they'll bring the, they'll bring the Buddhists, they'll bring everybody in because that's, that's the Antichrist system right there. That's already going on in Christianity. And what they're doing is they're taking the standard of the Word of God and the doctrines and they're getting rid of anything that would be called, quote, controversial, such as the virgin birth. Such as the resurrection from the dead, the empty tomb. Amen. 
I, I, I was tickled at Christopher Lam. He was telling me about his brother and how his brother had gone to Mecca. His brother was a devout Muslim. And he was talking about going to Muhammad's grave. So Christopher said, I just let him talk. He said, I'll let him talk. And he was talking about, man, we went to Muhammad's grave. It was just, man, you know, had this spiritual experience, all this kind of stuff. And so Christopher just said, well, you know, he said, I did the same thing. And his brother looked at him and said, you did the same thing? He said, I did. He said, I went to Jerusalem and I went to Jesus' grave. But the difference between Muhammad's grave and Jesus' grave is Jesus is not there. And there's even a sign in the tomb that says he is risen. He is not here. He said, I freaked his brother out. Anything to do with blood, that's too, con too gory, too controversial. Anything to do with any gender that, re that, that, that uh, refers to God, him being he. No, God isn't it. Amen. So that's what's going on right now. Now let me ask you a question. How are you going to make it? How are you going to make it? How are you going to make it if you don't serve God? How are you going to make it in this day and hour if you don't do what it takes to abide in the camp till you're whole. Amen? You say, well, then what will that wholeness do? That wholeness will help you be a part of the camp. So that the enemy, you're not vulnerable to the enemy coming and taking you out by what he's trying to make you think or how he's trying to make you feel or what choice he's trying to get you to make. Because he does not want you here. Listening to some old ex-surfing drug addict that's lived this thing for 36 years and proved that it works in every area of life. It works. Amen? Put your hands up and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you. Thank you tonight, Lord, that you are making us whole. The choices we make, the way we think, the way we feel, we thank you, Heavenly Father, that your life and your power are energizing us and in the last of the last days, you are raising up a people free from the bondage of their past, free from the bondage of the world, free from the bondage and attacks of Satan, kept physically, mentally, and spiritually living in the wholeness of God. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. Everyone says, now let me help you real quick. Don't think, you say, well, pastor, you know, I, I really like that. I, I, I need that. I need, to, I need to be made whole. I need to work on the way I think. Then you look at someone like me and you think, you know, if I just had what you had. Well, you got to do what I did to get it. Now, here's what you need to know. I didn't get all this in a, in, in a week, even in nine months of Bible school. I had to live this out over a period of years. But you say, well, there's just so much I don't know. The area that you do know if you will act on it and just do what you know to do the areas that you do not know God will cover that with grace and the enemy cannot encroach in those areas of your life where you're just quote ignorant of that until you get the information that gives you the revelation that's called the security of God he'll take care of you he'll guard you like a loving father guards his child Amen? And let me tell you something. You say, well, that's an effort. Everything about life is an effort. Everything about life is an effort. Why not go ahead and make it the Word and the Spirit of God? 
Because then you'll have times in which we're just going to teach and teach and teach. And if you adhere to the, then we'll have times of the move of the Holy Ghost, the move of the Spirit. Times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And it'll work hand in hand to cause revival in the church and awakening in this area so we can have harvest, so that people can come. Did you know eight people came to the Lord, got right with God on Sunday? Isn't that awesome? 30 people got baptized in the Holy Ghost last Wednesday night at the end of our conference. God is moving. God is moving. Money's coming in for the building. God is moving. God is moving. And when you're a part of something that God is doing that is active, do everything you can do to be a part. Do everything because then you're included. God doesn't want to exclude anybody. He wants to include everybody. And if you just say, okay, Lord, I'm going to press in there. Thank God for my church. Thank God for my pastor. Thank God for what he teaches. Thank God for our new building. Thank God for the harvest. Thank God for our missions. I'm going to get into I'm going to make it my life. I guarantee you God will raise you up. You're going to be made whole as you abide in the camp. And a lot of the issues of your life are just going to be done away with. And you won't repeat those weaknesses of your past so that you have to spend your life in some kind of recovery. Amen. God just wants you blessed. Everybody say blessed. Amen. Stand on your feet. Father, thank you so much for tonight. Let your blessings be upon all that are here, as is our tradition. We declare our protection and safety. Thank you, Father. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We declare whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, or the railways, we are protected. We are kept safe. We thank you, Father, in the righteous labor of our hands as we handle the resources that you've given us. Thank you we're not subject to trauma, to terror, to evil plans of wicked men, to the flu, to colds, to allergies, seasonal uh, uh, maladies because of temperature change and cold rain and wind and rain and wintertime or COVID-19 itself. We push back in Jesus' name, declaring that we abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thank you, Father, for the door of utterance as we live this wonderful life out. People see our lives. They see our peace, our health, our wealth, and our blessing. And they desire the Savior that we have received. Father, we thank you that you care so much for us, that you love us so much. We walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love one toward another. Thank you for our church. We live as the ambassadors of Christ. You've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord. Shout it out. We're Covered by the blood, powered by the word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.